Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. This episode of AFK is brought to you by Linode, our cloud server of choice. Starting is easy. Servers start at just $5 a month. You can choose your flavor of Linux, then pick a location that's right for you. London, Tokyo, Dallas, anywhere in the world, they've got you covered. Go from having that amazing shower idea to a hosted website in minutes. You can start small and expand as your idea blossoms into a hit. Get the most out of your Linode with great add-ons like backups, block storage, DNS management built in, and professional services to help you migrate sites or even perform more complex sysadmin tasks. Head to linode.com slash changelog and get $20 in hosting credit. That's four months free. Once again, linode.com slash changelog. Changelog Media, this is Away From Keyboard, a show exploring the human side of creative work. I'm Tim Smith. Adam Clark and I have been friends since around 2013. We met because of a podcast I hosted at the time, and he wanted some advice as he was about to start his own. Since then, we've started a podcast company that we both eventually left. He shut down his consulting business to move to California and work at Apple. And now he's back in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Last year, he launched Podcast Royale, a new podcast production business that he's really excited about. Well, first of all, I, I love podcasting. And despite my low output <laughs> lately, uh, I, I really do love podcasting. I, I, I love everything about it. Um, so there, there's that aspect of it. There's just the personal enjoyment of it. As far as Podcast Royale goes specifically, I love the fact that I, I finally launched something that's built around uh, recurring revenue and systems and processes. I mean, I've been self-employed slash freelancer slash whatever you want to call it for more than a decade. And it's like, it, why has it taken me so long to finally discover recurring revenue? You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it, it's, yeah. it's amazing. You know, the money just shows up every month. After Apple, I decided, okay, whatever I do next, I'm, I, I don't want to just go get a job or just start freelancing again or build websites. You know, I'm getting old. What is <laughs> like, whatever I do has to have a direction to it. I wanted to start something that was going to be bigger than me, something that could grow and scale beyond me so that at some point I could either step away from it, I could replace myself, I could sell it, whatever. I, I could do any number of those things and it still provide uh, for me financially. Uh, it started out as a WordPress thing, believe it or not. It started out as a WordPress support business and that was going to be me and another guy we were going to uh, partner and build this thing but about this time last year uh, a friend of mine who also has a podcast production company was talking to me about uh, selling his business to me and and uh, then he decided not to sell and then I decided okay well, but this is actually what I want to do more than more than anything else we've reached a point where most businesses accept 
not the validity, but they, they understand the value and power of podcasting and understand that it should be a part of their marketing. And so I'm not really having to convince people and sell people on the idea that they should be podcasting. I'm just having to sell them on the fact that they should use me and my company to produce those podcasts. I, I kind of went through this career transition in the past year too. And I don't know if you feel this way, but there are many times where I get really nervous because I feel like I had done the web for so long that there are times where I, I worry unnecessarily, but I worry like if this doesn't work out or if, you know, I can't work here anymore, what do I do? Yeah. Does that, does that similarly freak you out with, with this change? Because it's not only starting a business, but it's also starting a business in, in an area in which, you know, you haven't really dedicated your whole career to. Yeah, I get, I get the fear, but that's not, I don't feel that way because this isn't a job. I mean, this is my own business. Uh, that's, right. I, I would feel that way if I had just taken a job, which is one reason I didn't do that because yeah, where, where is that going to get me in 10 years? It's not, it's not like it used to be where I'm going to be able to retire or something in 10 years or, or 20 years or, or whatever, yeah. you know, and especially after the experience with Apple and, and, and all of that, um, being employed, it just isn't, it's just not for me. I, I spent a lot of time thinking about what is it that I really want? That takes a long time. I don't know if we ever even really completely figure it out, but we certainly don't figure it out in your in your twenties or or something like that. And and oh, thank I, God! I, I I spent a long time really thinking about what it is that I wanted, and it's going to sound silly, but for me, what I what I really want more than anything is the freedom to do whatever it is that I want to do. Um, and it's like, well, no. Who doesn't want that? But for me, truly, I, my interests are so varied and so broad. What I want to do is have the freedom to follow whatever rabbit trail I'm interested in that month and, and be able to do that. And so what I wanted was, was freedom, freedom to do whatever it was I was interested in doing. So what that meant was I have to figure out a way to fund my life that doesn't require working 40 hours a week. <laughs> Sounds like what you want is to be independently wealthy. Exactly. Well, that's what I've said since I was nine years old is that I want to be, you know, when because I'm there, I'm, I'm there with you, brother. <laughs> when people are like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm like, independently wealthy. I mean, I, so I've said yeah. that. I said that when I was a kid and it was a joke, <laughs> but it's true. And, but the reason isn't because I just want to have a lot of money and buy a lot of stuff. It's because I want to, I want to spend my time exploring and learning the many different things that fascinate me and yeah. I can't make a business out of all those things. I've tried to do that and it just, it, it never works. So I need some way to fund my life. And so again, for me, that's creating a business that can, can grow beyond me and I can either sell or replace myself in. And then I have the time. I think you're, you're onto something. Well, I hope so. <laughs> I, I heard somewhere, I think I might've been on today explained uh, a podcast from, from Vox that, in like in 10 years, manufacturing jobs are going to be gone. If your job can be automated, it's probably going to be gone. Yeah. So the idea is to find 
something where you know your your skill set is of value and cannot be automated and you know and there there's like this emphasis on being an entrepreneur as well which i understand i mean i have a difficult time with this because i ha- i feel like every time that i've tried to start my own business it's gone horribly wrong and part in in part to what you mentioned earlier which is you know that recurring revenue thing but also it's like uh let's just say that the tax code doesn't really um encourage you to be a business owner <laughs> uh especially a small business you know uh anyway i don't know where i'm going with that necessarily but i i no, I get, yeah. I, I, I get, I, I get what I see, you're saying. I get what you're I saying. I feel like it's, what you're saying is promising, though. But it's, but it, but at the same time, there's a part of me that's like, okay, how does that apply to someone that doesn't want to run their own business, right? Like, yeah. there's, there's so much work involved in running their own business, in, sure. in running a business, um, which is, you know, work that you've come to terms with, obviously. But uh, it's definitely not the path for for everyone necessarily. No, I, I don't think it is a path for everyone. And I think, you know, so how does it apply to someone who doesn't want to run a business? Well, maybe you, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you're not a founder, you know, maybe, maybe you're a co-founder or, or a partner. Right. Um, I mean, I think that's the path for me. Yeah. And, and, and I think that is very possibly the path for me too. I mean, I, I don't know the era of go and get a job and give them your life and they will take care of you. Uh, yeah. which was a pretty poor trade anyway, in my opinion, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't really exist anymore. So no matter yeah. what you're doing, I, I feel like people have to take control of that or they have to, they have to, in some way, take ownership of, of their future. And this is the way I'm choosing to do it right now. I, I, the other thing too, is that I'm making this all like podcast royale and all this. I'm making it all sound super like surgical and strategical and uh, strategical. I don't know if that's a word, but that's not a word. Uh, no. Strategic and like it's all calculated and it it is those things, but it's not just those things. I am doing something that I enjoy doing. I'm not I'm not doing something that I hate doing that I'm just gonna slog through for the next five years so that I could potentially have something worth selling or. Or, or whatever. I don't know that I would do that. Uh, I, I am doing something that I really enjoy doing and I don't intend to necessarily stop doing it. But the point is I'm building something that is getting me somewhere. Coming up, Adam talks to me about being raised in a cult, marriage and how kids change the whole dynamic and what he wishes he could talk about with his dad. What's up, AFK listeners? Adam Stachowiak here, Editor-in-Chief of Changelog. If you've been enjoying Tim's exploration of the human side of creative work, you'll probably love our show, Founders Talk. Founders Talk features stories from founders, CEOs, and makers about their journey, their lessons learned, and the behind the scenes of building and running their company. Here's a preview of Pia Mancini, co-founder and CEO of Open Collective. She's sharing some of the struggles of being a mother and a startup founder. The first few months are absolutely hard, so super challenging, you know? They need your attention, they can't walk, they can't do anything for themselves, and you know, you're trying to keep 
doing, but then also, you know, doing your responsibility as a parent. And it's just like, you know, it's just probably the most challenging, challenging parts of a parent's life is, is those first, you know, six months to nine months of the yeah, child's life. For sure. But it also, it also gives you um, an extra energy, like an extra, I don't know, creativity. I don't know if it's the hormones or what, but it's like you have that, you know, you, you go into a, yeah, you go into a different gear. Like yeah. you just, you just keep pushing forward. I don't know. There's something that kind of makes you, um, yeah, just shift gears into that extra thing and, and you can, and you can do it. Also, you, what I found mo mostly with um, motherhood is I don't have time for BS, essentially, like at all. Like this, I don't have, I have very little time to waste or to spare. So you become, at least I became really good at saying no to things and just really cutting, you know, cutting loose things or, or, or situations or people that just, yeah, I didn't, just didn't have time. It made me much more focused because the time I have away from my daughter is like, I'm doing this, right? Otherwise I'm with her. So Founders Talk is all about in-depth, one-on-one conversation with founders and makers. If you dig that, learn more and subscribe at changelaw.com slash founders talk. From Changelog Media, this is Away From Keyboard. I'm Tim Smith. There's not much setup needed for this next bit of information. Adam grew up in a cult. I don't know what people's, uh, what that brings to mind, but I mean, it's not like we were, you know, sacrificing the, the cats or whatever over a fire, but okay. it, was a, it was a pretty, this is supposed to be funny, Tim, but you're not laughing, so. Um, <laughs> I Well... When you say that I was raised in a cult, to me, that feels like a serious thing. Not, you know, not a joke, but. It is a serious thing. But I mean, <laughs> you, if, I mean, you know me for how many years now, everything's a joke. Yeah. You know? Okay. Uh, my dad was a pastor and I grew up in a super conservative, uh, fundamental version of Christianity. And uh, we were part of a homeschooling group that is 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 no doubt a cult I, I didn't recognize it at the time i mean i don't think anyone who's in a cult knows they're in one until they get out of it but uh yeah but yeah that you know and, and that makes it all sound terrible it wasn't terrible i had a great childhood my parents loved me and i had a sister and i have a sister and uh it was, it was a great family life you know i mean definitely no regrets there but some of the some of the things my parents believed at the time had some fairly I don't know. I don't want to say devastating because that makes it sound, you know, weird and dramatic, but it had some pretty influential effects on mm. on my life and the trajectory that my life took. So so tell me when you when you say I grew up in a cult, what what does that mean to you? Well, I guess I would define I mean, I don't know what the official dictionary definition of a cult is. But, um, I mean, to me, a cult is, is where, uh, usually there's, there's one figure, usually a man, a figure who represents absolute authority and, mm -hmm. you know, your all, all the rules, everything about your life is, is, is filtered through that person's absolute authority and what they say. And a lot of times cults tend to be religious or, or, you know, on the fringes of religion or, or just distortions of religion in some way. And so, uh, yeah, that was the situation uh, that I was in. 
But it wasn't like there was, I mean, I'm sure there was. Well, in fact, I know there was abuse and, and all kinds of different things like spiritual abuse and sexual abuse and all that. But there wasn't any of that in my family. Like my, my family was, was, was pretty normal, man. I mean, I, I grew up in the 80s, like the greatest decade of all. And it was <laughs> it was it was pretty normal, except of all the things I couldn't do. You know, I couldn't I couldn't go to the movies. I couldn't listen to. Uh, rock music or most music at all, if it wasn't classical. And you know, there were a lot of rules over who I could be friends with and, you know, what I could do. And, you know, I wasn't allowed to date and just, just all, you know, lots of, lots of weird rules, but uh, you know, it was, it was fairly, I mean, it, to me, it seemed normal, but I guess what I'm trying to get across is that it wasn't unhappy. I didn't have an unhappy or a traumatized childhood. Do you resent your parents for this? No, not at all. Because I think, especially being a parent myself, I have three girls, you know, I definitely understand the extreme desire to protect them at all costs. And I can see the appeal of let's just huddle up and build a really high wall and not let any of the bad things in, even at the expense of keeping out a lot of good things too. But let's just do this because you know, we don't want our, our kids to suffer and experience the same heartache that, that we've experienced. And I know that's where it came from. And, and I experienced those same feelings with my own girls. It's actually really hard to make decisions that, you know, that, that might cause them pain, but, you know, maybe it's better for them. So, so no, I totally get that impulse you know, they've completely, well, my dad passed away about seven years ago, but my, my mom has, you know, I mean, she's apologized. She doesn't believe, I mean, she doesn't agree with any of that stuff anymore. And I mean, it was kind of scary if you think about it. Like I was born at the very beginning of 1980 and things were a lot different than the baby boomers were still coming out of the sixties and the sexual revolution and, you know, the seventies and, and, and rock and roll and all this stuff just seemed, you know, they were told was like, that this is going to destroy your children and you have to protect <laughs> yeah. them from all of this at all costs. And, and I think they bought into it, you know, but it, but it wasn't, it wasn't malicious. It wasn't uh, it was a mistake, but it wasn't a malicious mistake. Adam's dad passed away seven years ago. He had Alzheimer's, so it wasn't an abrupt death, which Adam says made the loss easier to deal with. When I was a kid, I used to, well, I mean, it wasn't like I, I sat around imagining my dad's death, but I would think that that would be something I would not be able to handle. Like it was a thought that mm -hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't even let myself think about it. Like what, what, what about someday when this happens? And, but by the time it actually happened, it, it was obviously it was terrible, but it wasn't, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It wasn't completely overwhelming because, you know, he, he had been gone for years before that. You know, he had Alzheimer's for seven or eight years before he died. And I think the last real conversation I had with him was multiple years before he passed away. So, yeah, I mean, it was obviously extremely, extremely sad, but it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't unexpected. But the thing is, my dad was older. You know, I wasn't born till he was 47. So, you know, when I was a teenager, he was in his 60s. And so he was older anyway. And so he wasn't like the kind of dad who was out, you know, playing sports and, and doing that sort of stuff. 
he was an intellectual. I, I mean, he, he was often in his, his study, his office, you know, surrounded by books and writing and, and stuff like that. And, and, uh, I think the thing I miss or the, the thing I didn't get is like you said, you become friends with your parents. Like I, I was having a, a, a buddy of mine, um, which I think, you know, I don't know if you know Chase Reeves or not, but anyway, he was in town a couple of weeks ago and, and we stayed up like all night. And I said, uh, you know, the thing I miss is that like, I'd love to be able to talk to my dad now as, as an almost 40 year old, I'd love to be mm. able to have a conversation with him and say, how did you feel at this moment? What did you do when your wife or your kids were driving you insane or life was just not working out or everything was going wrong or this or that or whatever it is? Well, what did you do or how did you feel or, or, you know, just to have those kinds of conversations. And, you know, there are things that you would, you, you don't think of as a kid to talk to your parents about. After going through a rough breakup where Adam says he felt every cliche in the book, Adam quit his job and stayed for a couple weeks with a friend in Georgia. His plan was to eventually head to New York City, but all that changed when he met Jessica. They've been married now 11 years. I mean, I'll be honest, marriage is hard, and my wife would say the same thing. I don't believe people who have who who have these fairy tale love stories and maybe it's just because i'm cynical and i am cynical i know that and in some ways i'm proudly cynical <laughs> but marriage is a very different thing than uh, being in love i mean they they can overlap but they're they're not always the same thing and it's like any other relationship or endeavor it takes it takes sustained effort and work to make it good you know, I have friends who are single and, and who, who are just like, I'm just waiting for, I'm just waiting for the one, you know, I'm just waiting for the person that comes along where it just feels right. And, you know, you'll know it's the one when you just, you just get each other and it, you don't have to, it's not so hard to understand each other or figure each other out. It's just, it just all clicks. And that's how, you know, it's the one. And I'm like, well, dude, you're going to, mm. unfortunately, you're going to die alone if that's what you're waiting for, because <laughs> that's that doesn't exist i mean it might exist for a couple of months but uh everyone who's married knows that 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 doesn't last and so the hardest thing for me is uh is is giving up control and autonomy and i i know it's really hard to believe tim but i'm a pretty opinionated person and i like things kind of the way i like them so Mm. it's you would think from knowing me that i'm an extremely uh, self-sacrificing and giving kind of person, but, yes, uh, of course. <laughs> but, but I'm not really. And so that's, uh, that's, that's the hardest part for me is, is sacrificing, uh, being able to do whatever I want to do with my life. You know, that whole thing, that whole, uh, religious thing about the two becoming one is real. I mean, it's real. There, there isn't a you or a her anymore. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a one. Um, it's both of you together in everything. And I know that some people don't agree with that. They think that it is a, you know, you have your life and and she has her life, but that just sounds like roommates to me. Marriage is about the two becoming one in in every way, physically, emotionally, spiritually, all those things. And so when you do that, you have to change. You know, you have to, I heard one guy say one time that marriage is the wreckage of a head-on collision between two people. (laughs) Um, and, 
And that also sounds cynical, but um, he didn't mean it cynically. I mean, it's just it's just the reality that you know when you when you marry someone and you're you, the the what what happens is all the stuff that's in you and all the stuff that's in her uh, comes out, and you have to figure out a way to deal with that. That's why I think that's one reason why like you, you see people who who get divorced and get remarried and they do it again and they do it again and they do it again. It's like, dude. When are you going to realize the common denominator in all these situations is you? <laughs> so I, th- I think everyone's different. I think for me personally, that that giving up that sense of control and that kind of, you know, I want my life to be a certain way and look a certain way and and do and, and do certain things and and all of that, like kind of surrendering that and realizing that it's not it's not my life anymore. You know, that's that's probably the hardest thing. How do you feel that children have impacted you and your relationship? I, okay, this is a little weird. I, I think having kids has massively, positively affected my life, but maybe negatively affected my marriage. What do you mean by that? I get a lot of my sense of self from my kids for, for good or worse. You know, uh, I'm sure that's not super healthy. I get a lot of joy and satisfaction and, and pride and all sorts of things. Um, but as far as like the relationship goes, I don't think my wife and I were ready to have kids. You know, we, we had kids imme- we had kids immediately. It was accidental, but that's what happens when you have sex, kids. Uh, uh, <laughs> babies tend to be created. So uh, it, it my, our first daughter was, was total accident and we were absolutely not ready for that. And so that's what I mean. In some ways it, it complicated our relationship because we went straight from being a couple to being parents. And right. those are two, those are two very different things. And I feel like there was a lot we missed out on a lot that we didn't get to experience or do because we immediately went into parent mode. It's, it's a really weird thing. It's like, I feel like in some ways having kids right away caused a number of, of problems that we wouldn't have had otherwise, a number of arguments and, and just personality clashes that we wouldn't have had otherwise. But I also feel like if we hadn't had the girls, maybe one of those clashes or whatever would have blown up so big that we walked away you know, but, but we didn't. And we, we, we decided to figure it out because there were, there was more at stake. That's Adam Clark. Find his new business at podcastroyale.net. AFK is edited and mixed by me, Tim Smith. Additional production help this week was from the incredible Kelly Smith. The beats are from the one and only Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Smith Timmy Tim on Twitter. You can find the show at AFK underscore show. Thank you to our sponsor, Linode. Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more about them at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. Assuming you're loving this show, go rate, review, or recommend it wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to send me a letter or suggest someone for the show, send an email to afk at changelog.com. I'm Tim Smith, and this is Away From Keyboard. 